Well, hello, I'm Dan Lucaser. I'm Director of Medical Education at the Institute for Functional Medicine, and I'm sitting here with Milan Nguyen, who is a medical doctor, and we're gonna talk about a few things uh, related to her practice and um, her uh, assessment and interventions around pain. So, Milan, um, welcome. Thank you. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about your practice? Where do you practice? And uh, give me a, uh, give the audience a little understanding of that. Um, so I currently work at the Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. Um, it's located in Bethesda, Maryland, and it is the largest uh, military medical center in the world. We, um, it's a 350 um, teaching um, hospital, 350 bed teaching hospital, mm -hmm. and we serve um, over a million active duty uh, retiree and family members. And I work in the pain clinic there. And so my patients are usually um, referred to me for chronic pain, and I provide integrated pain management. So how do you start when a patient comes in? What do you start with? What is, a, what is your kind of uh, way that you start talking to them about pain and about helping them with pain in an integrative way? The well, first thing I do is try to empower my patients. A lot of our military patients are used to taking orders, right? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and there's usually a rank hierarchy with uh, the doctor usually being outrank um, the patient. So I talk to my patient about, you know, that health, it's for health, um, that is their mission. And in this mission, they are the commander of their mission. So they get to select who gets to be on their team so they could be successful on this mission. Um, I use the functional medicine model looking at ATM. A lot of uh, research show for a lot of our military members, they experience higher adverse childhood experiences than um, civilian counterparts. So knowing that, but I don't necessarily touch on that at their first visit. Um, our triggers are usually deployment, stress. A lot of our members are on multiple courses of antibiotics throughout their career. Mm -hmm. Each deployment to protect our members against uh, malaria, we place them on doxycycline. And they're on doxycycline for months at a time mm -hmm. in multiple courses throughout their career. Um, and then the media mediators are the huge part for our military members and uh, retirees, uh, bringing that to their attention, like sleep may perhaps be an issue, stress, and nutrition. Uh, most of our family member, uh, military members do exercise. I don't have to talk a lot about exercise, but stress and nutrition and sleep are the big topics that I start with. Good, and do you, so you're obviously talking about in that model, mm -hmm. uh, you're talking about the uh, base of the matrix, the modifiable lifestyle factors that we That's talked correct. about. And um, so we'll talk about stress and sleep and, and nutrition in a minute, but, um, uh, and exercise or mm -hmm. movement, as, as you say, you haven't, uh, re don't really need to, but how about the other part of that bottom of that matrix in terms of the community and connection to you? You also oh, have yeah. conversations about that? Absolutely. So I, um, in terms of the, my recommendation, I um, put the modifiable lifestyle in terms of eat, pray, love, and play. Mm -hmm. So eat, I start with eating, because I tell my patient, all of us eat, I know you're gonna eat, so let's start there. And increasing like fiber, talking about uh, phytonutrients, um, a lot of our members um, may not 
uh, be exposed to a lot of different vegetables and fruits, and I happen to be one that I just love fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. I said, I have mm -hmm. not met a vegetable I've not liked, so I encourage them to try different types of fruits and vegetables, um, adding um, water and fiber, making sure they pay attention to their diet, that's to eat. And also in the military, we're Department of Defense, right? And I asked them, do you know where the Department of Defense is in your body? And it's the gut. Um, so I have a conversation about you got to protect the gut because that's like the Pentagon and all the major headquarters are in your gut. So they get that, mm -hmm. you know, starting with the nutrition, the gut as the, the foundation for health. The next part, pray. Pray is um, rest and sleep and it's about bringing mindfulness and awareness into their day. Um, and then love, I usually ask them, what do you love? Who makes you smile? Bringing back joy into their life. And then play, it's, it's asking them, what's, um, why do you want to get better? What would you do differently once your pain is better? Have them, them focus on the goals. What well, in the military, we call those end states. What is the end state? What does the end of this mission look like? And having that, them visualize that and putting that right up front. Mm -hmm. So that's great. So it sounds like you, when uh, uh, a military uh, personnel, somebody comes in, you before you're even necessarily talking about their pain, you're talking about that base and you're trying to get all of those things set and make sure that they understand that those are the most important places to, to start with and they're integrated. That's, that's all, of course, makes sense. And then the way you're talking about uh, making it um, uh, specific for them, that's always a good thing to mm -hmm. do. As in terms of what you do with nutrition, uh, two questions, just curious is, in terms of you talked about phytonutrients and, and food, do you use some of the um, uh, IFM toolkit items or do you have you created your own or what do you do? Yes, so yes, I do use the um, toolkit. That's one of, I think, the greatest benefit of being um, part of the Institute of Functional Medicine is having those resources so, so that I don't have to recreate those. Great, what, what particular ones do you the, use? Um, phytonutrients, mm -hmm. it's huge. Um, elimination diet for those who present with pain and IBS. Um, I usually encourage them to try to eliminate some of the common triggers. Mm -hmm. And for military members, they follow orders very well. And mm -hmm. I, and when nobody wants to change diet, right? Diet's so difficult to change. But with military members, I would say, you know, you can do anything for three weeks or six weeks. You know, being in the military, three and six weeks is nothing because people deploy for six to nine months. So putting in that um, uh, frame of time, it doesn't seem to be a hindrance for them to try. Um, uh, chow ha, so military enlisted members are required to eat um, in the dining facility, usually on base. And as a physician, I can write a prescription for them that require by feel like they need to be gluten-free, they need to be dairy-free, they can take that prescription to the chow hall and get that's substitutes. Mm -hmm. um, and most, and that's part of empowerment. I think a lot of our members have not um, thought to ask. So when they go and ask, we need you know more vegetables. There, there's this demand thing. So as a member, if they ask, and there are more people asking, creating that demand, 
um, they're able to get healthier options. Mm -hmm. And what uh, the, the other question is, do you prescribe nutritional supplements? Do they, are they able to get those? Can they afford those? What, what is the kind of baseline that you work on, if any kind of supplementation? Um, so on all formulary, uh, omega-3 is available, certainly vitamin D. Um, we only have magnesium oxide in the formulary, mm -hmm. but you can do, we can do a non-formulary request, basically just justifying why we're asking for a different type of magnesium. We've been successful in that. A B complex is available. Um, the only thing that I, it's not available that I use often, recommend often, is curcumin. Um, but if to save costs, people can get it as a powder form, as a food rather than the pill, if they um, can tolerate that. Um, certainly sleep is an issue, so melatonin, they also have to get over the counter. Most of my patients have not pushed back, uh, despite the cause. If, they, if they're motivated to heal and feel better, they'll prioritize the resource. That's great. And um, is there... So all of many of those things are part of the formulary that you can just prescribe them That's and right. there's no cost issue. What about um, general lab that you get and use? Do you do a, a serum vitamin D or do you just uh, prescribe it or what, what is Absolutely. that? Absolutely, I always track to uh -huh. first. Um, so most of the labs are actually available in Ulta that we use in the functional medicine. The only thing that I can't do is a comprehensive stool analysis, but mm -hmm. I just, if they present with IBS and a history of multiple antibiotic use, I would treat, I would treat as if they have dysbiosis and um, do go through the 5R step. Mm -hmm. um, so I haven't had any trouble with the That's labs. Great. And also, Maybe because because we're, I'm at Walter Reed, where we are a referral center, a major medical center. If I can't get a lab, we um, the military work. Um, we work with LabCorp, and you can always get the lab outside mm -hmm. the system if mm -hmm. necessary. And are you able to get laboratories so you can do a full celiac panel, for instance? Yes. And and. and uh, and do you do any genetic testing like DQ2, DQ8 for celiac? If, uh, Absolutely, you know, those are able, available. Oh, that's wonderful. And I believe any military physician could order that, uh -huh. yes. And it, so is there a standard, standard panel that you would use um, uh, in a, you know, across the board or you mix and match kinds you of things? You mean for pain patients yes, in yes, general? Yes, yes, yeah. For pain mm -hmm. patients, exactly. I usually check vitamin D. I have not had a pain patient referred to me at Walter Reed that did not have vitamin D deficiency. 100% mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. my patients mm -hmm. are deficient. I've had patients as low as level of seven or eight vitamin D um, and their light skin um, and active duty in their 20s. Just, wow. Yeah, unbelievable, right? Um, and I check a magnesium, I check B12, folate, B6, and homocysteine to kind of get assess their nutritional level. Mm -hmm. I usually place them on omega-3, um, and then based on the vitamin D level, um, supplement and magnesium as well. So you mentioned melatonin that you use for some uh, with sleep issues. What other things are you doing for obviously, again, looking at the bottom of the matrix, what other things are you 
regularly prescribing for those, uh, those pain patients who obviously they would have pain and they're not sleeping. If they're sleeping great, you probably wouldn't prescribe yes, anything. But what, yeah. what, what are the, some of the general ways that you handle that uh, modifiable lifestyle factor? So sleep is, yep. uh, is a huge issue for uh, pain patients. So when our pain patients come to our clinic, we ask not only what their pain level is like, we ask about emotions, you know, what are they feeling, anger, um, shame, you know, getting a sense of their emotion, their energy, and then we always ask about sleep. And nearly all of my patients with pain have sleep issue. So besides nutrition, I emphasize uh, good sleep. And studies show, I don't know if you're aware of this, Dan, um, studies show that about 85% of military members have sleep issue. Do you know that? Wow. No. Yeah. And over 50% have um, obstructed sleep apnea. Wow. And 25% of that just difficulty sleeping. Mm -hmm. um, average military members sleep less than the average American. We sleep less than uh, about five hours or so, and 40% or more sleep than less than five hours. That's because of the operational tempo, the work demand, the fitness they have to continue to do while uh, working long days. Mm -hmm. um, so first thing I do is try to figure out why they're not sleeping. There's indication for um, referral to a sleep clinic for sleep study. If I suspect obstructive sleep apnea, mm -hmm. I would do that. Um, I would try to figure out, is this a delay onset insomnia or they're just getting up frequently? If it's delay onset, what I'm finding with a lot of my patients, they're still working on their eye. They're still working at home. They don't really stop working. They go home, they exercise, have dinner, and they get back on the computer, encourage them to have, to have a break between the computer or their iPhone or other electronic devices before they go to sleep, have a, a good, what we call sleep hygiene, sleep routine mm -hmm. to kind of wind down for the day. Certainly magnesium, melatonin, things like that may help. If they're getting up during the nights, it's usually because of pain. So we would try to maximize, uh, optimize pain control so that they could sleep better. And my patient always joke with me because I always say sleep is good, sleep is good. So they, they want to get me a t-shirt that says sleep is good. Sleep is good. <laughs> sleep is, it uh, needs to be emphasized. Um, we've not done that well in the military in terms of emphasizing, emphasizing sleep as a key part of optimal performance and health. Yeah, I've, um, I think there are sleep issues across the board with the civilian population, and that's what I mainly deal with. And sometimes it's, I find it uh, amazing, uh, surprising, that you can do very simple things. You mentioned magnesium and melatonin and sleep hygiene, mm -hmm. and turn that off before, you know, an hour before you go to sleep or sleep in a dark room. And it's amazing the, the, uh, the, the help that just those simple things, they just don't pay attention or we don't pay attention yes. to, to those kinds of things. Like not watching the news uh, late right, at yeah, night. Yeah, that's a bad thing. Yes, <laughs> I have several patients who uh, work in the intelligence community and after they retire, they cannot stop watching the news because mm -hmm. they feel as if they're responsible to know what's going on mm -hmm. in the world as part of their work. So disassociating that now that they retire, 
they still feel that they have to know every moment so they don't get to bed till two or three in the morning. So that's a huge behavior change, getting them to maybe watch the seven o'clock news, but not the 11 o'clock news. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. Mm -hmm. So what um, we talked about that bottom of that matrix and let's go on and talk a little bit about, I'm just curious as to some of the therapeutic modalities you use uh, in your clinic in terms of, I know you're an acupuncturist and what, what other things do you use? You use microcurrent, I think. Talk a little bit about right. how you use those, when you use those. Yeah, so lifestyle is the foundation and then most patients are referred to me because um, usually they have failed other modalities. So um, acupuncture sometimes is the last resort rather than the first resort. I think words are getting out and people are asking for acupuncture first. Um, so about three years ago, my colleague at Walter Reed and I, uh, my colleague who's a neurologist, Dr. Steve Sharp and I, were looking for another modality to add to acupuncture because our wait list um, then is so high. We, I would see a patient, a new patient for um, pain, for chronic pain, would do acupuncture, but they couldn't, they wouldn't be able to get in for another six weeks, two months, um, so it's a very delay, and that's not how we do acupuncture. It requires frequent treatment. So we're looking for a tool that would prolong the effect of acupuncture. Came to discover um, frequency-specific microcurrent, and we actually use frequency-specific microcurrent um, with pretty much every acupuncture encounter. We use both together and find that it does prolong the effect, both together prolong the effect. So we're able to um, see patient once and not again, perhaps to three or four weeks, a little longer, and they're still getting the relief. That's wonderful. Other, um, so you use uh, uh, microcurrent, you use acupuncture, and you, and you use, you were just an instructor on uh, battlefield acupuncture. Do you use that specifically, or do you use general acupuncture for these kinds of pain patients? Because as you taught us, um, you know, um, uh, battlefield acupuncture is a specific protocol for pain. Do you use that regularly with pain patients, with any kind of pain, yeah. or? By the time a patient comes to see me, they've had battlefield acupuncture because we see. train uh -huh. over 7,000 uh -huh. DODVA um, clinicians. So they either like it or they don't. They'll uh -huh. tell me after that, no, I don't want it. Because uh -huh. it's a big needle and it's not always very comfortable. So I'm trained to do full body acupuncture and that's what I do. And if uh, their experience um, that battlefield pro provide lasting treatment, I would add that. So a battlefield acupuncture protocol is so, as an adjunct. I'll add that if it's something they find beneficial and they don't mind the, the size of the needle and wearing the, the gold studs. Now, although we have lots of military members, including general officer wearing these gold studs at the Pentagon, not everybody's comfortable mm -hmm. doing that. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, one of the tools we include, but it's part of the whole spectrum of acupuncture treatment. Mm -hmm. What other modalities do you use? that we haven't talked about. Um, yeah, so we are very fortunate at the pain clinic. Uh, we have a clinical psychologist who especially trained in pain psychology work with us. We have a clinical uh, pharmacist 
Um, we have a yoga and meditation instructor on staff. Uh, we have a nurse who does Reiki, and we have several nurses trained to do various moda um, energy modalities, such as Alpha Stim, Calmar. Um, our clinical psychologist does uh, biofeedback in addition to um, CBT. So cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. And then we can refer to integrative uh, nutritionists. Um, so we do have incredible resources. Occupational therapy provide um, heart rate variability. So if I feel like that's where my patient need a bit more of that parasympathetic activation, they get an OT referral. And, and that's, so that's very uh, fortunate. Yeah, you have yeah. a lot of resources. Is is that all within Walter Reed, or do you refer out to satellite clinics, or how do you do that? No, that's all within Walter uh -huh. Reed. So there, it's just all within the same, uh, uh, the same um, healthcare setting. That's right. That's wonderful. And um, do you uh, find that you uh, use group visits at, at any of those uh, with any of those modalities or? Um, uh, with any particular kinds of, of, of pain patients? So we had a physical therapy actually led a living well with pain class, but I was a part of to do, I did the nutrition piece for them. The thing with Walter Reed, it's a, it's a major medical center located actually right across from the NIH. Um, it's not an easy place to get to. We're finding that it's hard for a patient to commit to a six or eight week visit. So we have re, kind of redesigned the group visits uh, starting next month. We're doing one at the pain clinic for new pain patients to introduce them to um, understanding chronic pain, what it does to the brain, mm -hmm. um, empowering them to select their treatment um, program, if you will, that if they want to do uh, cognitive behavioral therapy first or acupuncture first, they can, we can help them design their treatment program, laying the foundation of lifestyle change up front. So that's something we're starting next month and uh, making it shorter, four weeks instead of eight weeks, mm -hmm. to see if we can get um, better compliance. Mm -hmm. That's great. I grew up actually around um, uh, probably a, a couple of miles from uh, um, the NIH, um, that whole complex there, um, Walter Reed, and uh, there's now a metro station right, oh, right yeah. there. Oh, so, yeah, a major medical yeah, center, yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. lots of traffic yeah, that come yes, with it. Yes, yes, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's changed a bit in yes. 40 years since I lived there. Uh, anything else, Maiden, uh, that you'd like to share with us that um, that you're doing um, in this, what sounds like a wonderfully comprehensive um, clinic for uh, chronic pain? Um, I would say, let me see, I, I find functional medicine as a, just a very beautiful framework. When I retire from the Air Force, I um, wanted to go back into a clinical, direct clinical practice. One thing in the military is as you stay in longer, you get more administrative uh, responsibilities, mm -hmm. and I really miss the clinical care. And I find functional medicine really brings back the joy because you get people better. So. I don't have to see my patients as often, and they're healthier. And I think that's like the purpose of life. It's not to be with us doctors, mm -hmm. it's for them to be out living. And um, so I have to say that functional medicine it really helped me restore that joy in, in clinical practice. That's great. Well, I wanna thank you for spending a little time and telling us about your practice and your 
uh, the models that you use. Thank you.